You're listening to The Semi-Filled Writer. This is a show about my life experiences, my love for entertainment, and of course, my failures. Hey there. Welcome to episode 24 of The Semi-Filled Writer. I know it's been four weeks. I took an unexpected break from recording this. Um, Reasons are unimportant, but you know, sometimes you need the break. But I'm back and I'm here with a new story. I joined Reddit not too long ago. I've mentioned Reddit uh, one time before, and they have a screenwriting community there. You can share resources, ask for writing feedback, share your success stories, things like that. And the other day, I came across a post that was a little more on the negative side. Well, a lot more on the negative side. I wanted to read this post word for word because it's one of the most beautiful things I've read in a while, but I can't. For one, I was afraid to ask this user for permission to read a story on my show. He had a whole thing about being taken advantage of, and I, I didn't think he would like me sharing this without getting anything in return. And besides that, the post is gone. Not even like a day later, it disappeared. And I did a lot of searching around, and I couldn't find it. Either he or the mods had to have deleted it, so there goes that. Anyway, this post was an airing of grievances. This aspiring writer had been totally screwed over by his employers. He finds Hollywood to be shallow. He hates film gurus that sell their useless advice for millions of dollars. He has a lot of student debt, and the list goes on and on and on. And at the end of reading it, all I wanted to do was just give the guy a hug. And despite going through the ringer, he still wanted to be a writer. He just felt burnt out. And it got me thinking about my own experience in getting into the industry, and that is what I want to talk about today. I spoke briefly about it in my very first episode, and I feel it's only right that I go into more detail about what I have done and what I have failed to do that has led me to where I am today. I won't go into every single thing, just the significant events, and I am going to rant a little bit. It's 2020, I think I'm allowed to, but I'm not doing this so you can feel sorry for me. I'm also at fault for not being able to get my writing career off the ground, so probably at the end of this, you won't have any sympathy for me. You'll feel that I got what I deserved, and that's fine. I just think that I need to be honest with you and with myself. I should note that I'm not going to name names. I'll try to be specific about my experiences, but I'm not going to call out the particular people and businesses that I work with. Even now, I don't want to burn bridges, so... Let's start with grad school. And one of the requirements to get my master's was to complete an internship, and the best time to intern was during the summer between the first and second year of the program. So that's what I did. I was able to get a few interviews, and one of them really impressed me. I was invited to interview with a management company in Santa Monica. I went to, it might have been like the 13th floor of this high-rise building, right off the beach. And I sat in a swanky conference room with a clear view of the coast. And the owner of the company told me that I would be required to be a reader for his screenplay contest. And I would have to work in his office one day a week and take calls and do other administrative work. The idea of commuting once a week was nice. I was living in Orange County at the time and it would take anywhere between one to two hours just to go one way. So the less time driving, the better. After the interview, I had a few days to think about where I wanted to work, but then it seemed like this decision was made for me. I was in the middle of work, and I got a phone call from the manager. He told me to start my internship on Friday. 
He wasn't making the offer and asking if I wanted to accept. And I didn't stand up for myself and ask for a minute to think about it. I mean, I liked the opportunity enough and I just said, okay, sure, I'll be there. For the reader part of the internship, I read a lot of crappy scripts. And I was coming at the tail end of it. These were screenplays that advanced to the quarterfinals or better. But there were at least 10 readers, and at the end of the summer, we all met for the very first time and decided who the winners would be. And what ticked me off was that some of the readers wanted this horror story to be the winner. And I read that script. It wasn't a well-written piece. But the argument for it was that it would be easy to market. Horror films are generally lower in budget, and it would have a better chance at getting produced than any other story. Are you kidding me? We were at a stalemate, and I had to ask out loud, how are we selecting the winner? Seriously, are we picking the winner of the screenwriting contest based on the quality of writing or their marketability? Fortunately, the horror story didn't win. However, it did better than any script I've ever written because I've never gotten past the first round of any contest. I must be doing something wrong. I don't have much else to say about the office part of the job. It turns out I had to work out of the guy's apartment. It sounds creepy when I say it out loud, but it wasn't that bad. He had a really nice apartment, it had the appropriate equipment for an office, and there were other people working there at the same time. He admitted to me at one point that the swanky conference room where we first met, a friend of his hooked him up with that space. He doesn't have a lease on it, he doesn't do any business in that building. He's able to use the conference room now and then so he can impress people. It's all optics. Well, worked on me. I wanted to do another internship the following year, not with that company, but with someone else. And I got an interview with a major film company, and the only reason I was not considered for the position was the schedule. I wasn't available for the two days they wanted me in the office. They did, however, forward my info to another department with the promise that they would get back to me, and they never did. And I followed up with them multiple times, and I got the runaround, and at one point, I just gave up, and nothing came about. In school, I had to take a course in pitching, learning how to pitch a story to executives. At the end of the year, the school would invite dozens of people who work in the industry, producers, managers, agents, to come in on a Saturday morning and listen to 40 people pitch their ideas. And I paid attention in that class. I took my professor's notes seriously, I felt like I had a good public speaking voice, and I still screwed up my pitch. I decided to pitch my thesis script, the one that I was working on at the time, and I really cared about that story. It was a very personal story. It's the only thing that mattered to me. And the way you pitch your idea is to tell them enough. Just enough to get them wanting more. You give them the premise of your story, you talk about the main characters, maybe the setting, and you explain why this project has to be made. Either because it has a universal theme, it's going to reach a target audience, or it has the potential to make a lot of money. Just tell them enough, not the entire thing. I told the entire thing. I, I, I don't know why, but I just gave a five-minute summary of my thesis script. And not only that, we were supposed to offer a leave behind, just a piece of paper or a brochure with a reminder of your project and your contact info. My leave behind was the full-length screenplay. I hate to admit it, I killed a lot of trees to print all of those pages, and nobody took one home. You see, my professors didn't forbid a script as a leave behind, but they didn't recommend it. 
if they just mandated it, if they just told me under no circumstance, do not use a script, I would have been fine. I have to be told exactly what to do because I'm an idiot. And to add insult to injury, one of my classmates said I should have pitched my other story idea. A couple of months prior to that event, I pitched a story in class about a high school marching band. It was a throwaway idea. I just needed to put something out there. But it was well received. People really liked it. So that's three strikes. I picked the wrong story to pitch. I gave away the whole story and left behind a 120-page document that nobody picked up. Needless to say, I was never contacted for a meeting by any of these people. And thinking about it now, that might have been my best chance at getting representation. At this point, I graduate and I move to L.A. And we didn't get a lot of support from the school afterwards. And I, like I said, I didn't get a meeting from PitchFest. So the only other option I had was to get a job. I applied to several entry-level jobs within the industry. I had no problem getting interviews, but I just couldn't get an offer. And I don't remember who, but a friend suggested temping. So I decided to try it out. I signed up with a staffing agency and I immediately got on assignment with a production company. And the situation was kind of weird. For the two to three months I was there, there was hardly any work. Their work depended on winning bids from advertising agencies. They would send out a lot of proposals, but they were never awarded any of those projects. So most of my work involved answering phones and buying food for the office. The other weird thing, I didn't know how long this assignment was going to last. It's a temp job. I thought I would be told that it would last for a certain amount of time. There would be a deadline. This one was open-ended, so I could have kept working there as long as I wanted to. One day, the office manager forwards me an email, and it has some instructions for me. But it was part of a longer email thread, so I read through all of it. It's funny, I went through my old emails, and... I found a copy of that email thread. I just read through it again. And in it, there's a message from the head of the company, and she has some concerns about me. And it says, quote, She never talks to me, and I just don't feel like she gives a shit. She goes on to say that she doesn't feel like I want to do the work, because I had a hard time finding something online that took the boss two minutes to find out herself. Okay, in my defense... I didn't talk to the boss because the boss was intimidating as hell. She wasn't very approachable. I would always talk to the office manager because I knew I could get the answers from him and he was much more pleasant to be around. So I always went directly to him for anything. And second, I did want to do the work, if there were any. It was unfortunate that business was slow, but it sucked that the most exciting part of my day was buying lunch meats and cigarettes. I also had to drive my own vehicle to run errands for them, and I never got reimbursed for mileage, which is not okay. It was a punch to the gut to read that email, but I honestly think that the manager did it intentionally. He was doing me a favor. He was letting me know that I should probably get out of there, and I did, immediately. An agent from the staffing agency got someone to come within a week, and she scheduled a meeting with me to go over the next steps. We set up the initial time, and then she called a few minutes later to change the time, so I thought we were confirmed for a Monday at 2 p.m. Well, Monday comes around. I'm driving into the city. It's like 1.30 in the afternoon, and I get a phone call from that agent. And I answer it, and she immediately starts yelling at me because I'm late for our appointment. 
And I honestly thought it was two. And she's like, no, I would never schedule anything at two. I always do this and I do this and that. And I, I tried to get in there and interject and give an apology for the misunderstanding. And she just never let me do that. She just wanted to keep berating me. And then once she was done, she had the nerve to tell me that we need to reschedule our meeting. She transfers me to the receptionist so that we can find another time to meet. Once I get off the phone, I'm still in shock. Then I start thinking rationally and realize that I never want to meet this woman. I made an honest mistake, but I don't think I deserve to be yelled like that. And I sort of laugh about it now because she thought she was in a position of power and she had the right to do whatever she wanted. But the truth is, she needed me. She still wanted to meet with me because if I could get work, she would get her commission. I wasn't going to give her that, so I called the receptionist just a few minutes later and I canceled. I never went back. The good news is that I wasn't out of a job for that long because a month later I got hired to my first full-time job. It was for a management production company where I would be assisting three people. Again, I can't say which company, but let's just say they have a wildly successful TV show on the air right now. Maybe that narrows it down. Who knows? The first two weeks were great. I was super busy. I was learning more about my coworkers, learning more about the projects that they were developing. I was glad that I could wear jeans every day. That was a plus. However, everything came to a sudden halt. In November of 2007, you had the WGA writer strike. The writers from the WGA couldn't come to a new agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the AMPTP, and they stopped working altogether. Work either slowed down or dramatically came to a stop. I was in my job for three months, and because the company couldn't afford to keep me on, I was let go. The way I left that company was very odd. I've held jobs prior to this, but it's clear I was really unfamiliar with workplace etiquette. In California specifically, when an employer lets you go, they give you your final check and you just leave. You don't come back. I didn't know this because nobody explicitly told me how it is. I just knew I was out of a job. So I, I coordinated with one of my bosses that I would stick around for a couple days to finish up some stuff. So I was laid off on a Friday and I came back on Monday to pick up my check and people were surprised that I stuck around for a couple more days when I didn't have to but they didn't escort me off the premises either. To be completely honest, if there was no writer strike, I would have been fired from that job. I sucked at that job. I was not great at answering phones at first. I didn't put much effort into getting people's names right. I may or may not have accidentally deleted a very important task for my boss and lied when he asked about it. I had a talking to with my bosses, at, le at least twice, and they made it clear that I needed to do better. One of my bosses was actually an ass to me, and I, I still have ill feelings towards him. But I think he behaved like this because he was frustrated with my work ethic. So maybe he was a little justified. But I say I would have been fired because if I really ended on good terms, one of my co-workers would have called me back or let me know about another opportunity that opened up. That never happened. The strike eventually came to an end, yet I was unemployed for several months afterwards. Something that I realized after leaving that job was that I hated it. 
even though I was terrible at that job, I, I didn't like it enough to do better. I had to commute two hours every day. I was getting paid roughly minimum wage. I'm in the office for 40 hours a week, but my boss is expecting me to read up on their projects in my spare time. They wanted me to read full-length scripts, books, other source material on my nights and weekends. That's work without pay. That's illegal. I thought at one point workers in entertainment were exempt from overtime, but I can't seem to find any laws that, that make this true. And there are some other serious issues with assistant jobs that I won't get into right now. I know one of the easiest and best ways to move up in the industry is to have a job as an assistant. But aside from being crappy at the job, I couldn't appreciate having a low-paying job that barely left me any time to make a decent meal or even do laundry. As I was looking for my next job, I asked myself, do I want to do this again? Is there another way to get my foot in the door? What can I do so that I can afford to live in California? I decided to take up an office job completely unrelated to the entertainment industry. I wanted decent pay, benefits, and a reasonable schedule. I surmised that I would use all of my spare time to writing scripts, and maybe if I completed a quality script, then I could enter it into a screenplay contest and break in that way. So that's what I've been doing for the last 12 years. And I can say with confidence that I am doing a much better job in the workplace. I'm working in a less glamorous industry, but at least I have money in my bank account. Let's just say I can buy a PlayStation 5 right now, if I could get my hands on one. Let me talk briefly about some other ways I've tried to improve my writing. I'll talk about this. This only happened once, but uh, two of my former classmates collaborated on a script and asked many of their friends, including me, to come by their place to do a full table read. There were at least 10 of us that helped with this reading. I was a narrator, everyone else had the roles, and we read the entire thing. It was incredibly fun. And right there, that's two hours. Then we took a small break and then came back and had an hour-long discussion on how to make their script better. And I think it paid off for them. It was already a decent script, and after that reading, they ended up getting into the semifinals for a screenplay contest. I thought, this is a great idea. Table reads are one of my favorite things to do in class. It's really fun to act out these scenes, but more importantly, it gives the writer a better idea of how the words flow, if it sounds natural or not. So I wanted to host a table read for my script. I found a place that could hold at least a dozen people. I was willing to buy all of this food to entice people to show up. I might have sent out the script in advance. I don't remember. But what I do remember was that nobody was interested. Maybe one person got back to me and gave me a two-sentence critique of my script. And that really hurt. I took it very personally. Of course I would. You had at least ten people, without hesitation, drive to West LA and spend three hours workshopping a script. But I can't get these same people to come up to Pasadena and do the same for me. It's possible that they were all busy or didn't feel like making a long drive to the east side. But it truly felt like they just didn't like me. They didn't care about me, even after I have gone out of my way to help them. I did mention in an earlier episode that I was dealing with grief and becoming a burden to other people, so maybe this is the time for people to start distancing themselves from me. I have no idea. No one ever told me the truth. I tried to find communities elsewhere. I've been a part of three writers groups. The first one was the best. There was a girl who just moved to L.A. with her husband at the time. 
She didn't know anybody here, so she figured the best way to make friends is to find those that have a shared interest, which was writing. She started a writer's group, and I was there from day one. It had a rocky start, but it ended up being incredibly productive and fun. We would meet every other week and focus on one presenter, and then we would go to the bar across the street and just hang out. I ended up making several friends during that time. But unfortunately, after six months, this girl had to move away. Her husband lost his job and they could no longer afford to live in LA. A couple of us tried to carry the torch and lead the meetings, but we didn't get as much turnout. It was because of her that this group was successful. She was incredibly nice and welcoming and, and made sure every single person had a chance to participate. She was the best. When I was living in Arizona, I found a writer's group that would meet on Wednesdays at a local bookstore in Tempe. This is a little different because multiple people could present on one day. We will table read 10 to 15 pages, then give our feedback. I felt that the feedback was great. However, I never felt comfortable with the people that were consistently there. You see, I found out that the group had been around for three years at the time, and most of the members had been there from day one. And it felt very much like they were part of an inner circle. And even though they accepted new members like me and appreciated my feedback, they didn't seem willing to welcome me. Maybe one person introduced themselves to me, but everyone else acted like I wasn't there. After the meetings, the bookstore would have to close and the rest of us just hung out in the parking lot. There would be talk of random things like spouses spoiling Game of Thrones and participating in long distance runs but nobody felt the need to bring me into the conversation. No one knew a thing about me, because they didn't bother to ask me. Things just felt awkward after a few months, and then I decided I no longer needed to keep going there. When I moved back to California, I found another writer's group that had been going strong for several years. They have separate meetings. They have one for TV writers and one for features. I went to both for a time, and then I ended up sticking with the features. Again, Great feedback, and here we were focusing on one presenter each meeting. The animosity towards me wasn't there, however, my biggest issue came up within the last year. There were two new members that showed up, very smart, very knowledgeable, maybe a little too knowledgeable. They dominated the conversations. They would have so much to say about the script and what would be more acceptable. One person would keep referencing what those story gurus would suggest and what Save the Cat would say. And the other would argue that it's all BS not to get advice from those hacks. The conflict between the two was not the problem. The problem was that they never let anyone else get a word in edgewise. A good moderator would stop them and allow someone else to jump in, but that didn't happen. At one meeting, I had so many quality notes I wanted to share, but I couldn't because of these chatty Cathy's. I get notifications about upcoming meetings, and I see, I can see a participant list. And if I see that either one of them is going to be there, I sit out. I skip the meeting. And you're probably thinking, hey, you shouldn't let these two people have this power over you. They shouldn't keep you from going to a good thing. Well, maybe if the love for that group was strong enough, I would endure it. But it's, it's not. I'll go over some other things quickly. I got the contact info for a book author that once worked as a movie extra, and I failed to foster that conversation. I said this earlier, I've entered into several screenplay contests, mainly Nickel, and never got through the first round. I have some thoughts on that for another time. 
I hosted one of my scripts on the blacklist, paid for an evaluation, and the reader's underwhelming feedback and unjustified low score made it impossible for me to get anyone else to read it. And I've applied to one diversity writers program, but I needed more than just a writing sample to be a good candidate. I'm not part of an improv group. I don't have a one-man show. I'm not an assistant on any show. I had none of that. Now, let me bring this up too. That guy that posted his rant on Reddit, I assumed he was a white guy. Now, imagine if he were a woman or a person of color or LGBTQ or a member of any marginalized group. I'm not trying to invalidate any of his feelings. What I'm saying is that, in general, it's incredibly difficult to get into this industry. It's even harder if you don't come from a place of privilege. I do not come from a place of privilege. So I'm having to deal with that on top of everything else. There's been more of an outcry. Yes, there are more people demanding more inclusion. But I don't know how quickly that inclusion is going to take place. I do have control over some things. I have control in what I write and how often I write, and without a doubt, that is probably my biggest failure. I don't write every single day. I'm lazy and would rather browse the internet and play video games during my spare time. I make it a goal to enter at least one script into a contest every year, but my output is about 50%, maybe one entry every other year. I've written several scripts over the years, but I didn't have an original idea in at least three years. I was doing rewrites for three years, and just this year, just now, I started writing two new scripts. And you know, I also get really jealous of other people's success. I'm jealous of strangers. I should be happy for them because I'm sure they had to struggle for a long time and they finally got over that hump. But I try to dismiss their success. I I chalk it up to it being a fluke or they're related to someone in the industry or I assume their stories are nowhere as good as mine. And that's not healthy. So I've given you more context. You know about my struggles and my own lack of effort. So why am I still doing this? Why am I still holding on to a dream that may never come true? I'll tell you why. First off, I still believe I have something very important to say. I have always felt that my experience as a Mexican-American is different from what I see in film and TV. And I want to see that in film and TV. And second, I just don't want to accept that I'm a failure. I made a choice to pursue this career and sacrificed a lot to make that happen. I could have stayed in state and not paid a dime in tuition. I could have opted to go into a more lucrative field. But instead, I moved thousands of miles away from my family to pursue a career in the arts. And I'm thankful for all the things that have come into my life. I've gotten to travel. I've met so many interesting people. I've met my husband. I haven't gotten in trouble with the law. You know, the list goes on and on. But I just haven't made my first dream come true. And I bet I would feel a lot better if I quit. You know, I I would feel a huge weight come off my shoulders. I could focus my energy on other things. But I would also feel like an embarrassment if I mail it in now. I know essentially what I need to do to have a better chance at becoming a writer. Of course, it would help if the industry was less hostile, but I can't do much about that. What I can do is write a lot more and connect with more people. It looks like there's some good networking opportunities through Twitter and Reddit. 
So I'll need to be an active participant in those areas. Very soon, I am going to have to write down some goals for the next year. And when I do, I want to share them with you so that not only do I hold myself accountable, you will also hold me accountable. For now, I will make one promise. I promise to recommit to my writing career and to work harder than ever to remove the title, The Semi-Failed Writer. That's all I have for today. You can reach me at semifailedwriter at gmail.com. My website is semifailedwriter.com. Twitch and Instagram at semifailedwriter. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to have one more episode come out at the end of the year. I hope you're having a great holiday season. Until then, take care of yourselves.